You're listening to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. This show was created for entrepreneurs, business owners, marketers, and dreamers who want to learn from the experts of today and drastically shortcut their own success to build a business that supports their dream lifestyle. Since 2011, Tyler Jorgensen has been interviewing business thought leaders from around the world. A serial entrepreneur himself, Tyler also shares his personal insights into what's working in business today. Welcome to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. Welcome out to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio here on ABC News. I am your host, Tyler Jorgensen, and today I get a visit with a friend of mine, Marcus Mora, who's coming to us live and hot from San Clemente, California. We're going to talk about his business and his journey to their current success. It's going to be a ton of fun, so please pay attention because I think Marcus is going to drop some bombs. Marcus, thanks for coming out. Hey, thanks for having me. This is great. Thank you, Tyler. So let's start at the present. You are currently running what business? And what is unique about your business? So uh, I'm currently one of the co-founders of Amada Senior Care, which is a home care business. So we send caregivers to seniors' homes to take care of things like dressing and bathing, meal preparation, things like that. We don't do anything medical, which is kind of interesting. A lot of folks think that maybe we have facilities or communities. We don't. We do everything in the home to help the senior thrive. We started the business in 2007, and we started franchising the business in 2012. And today we have about 125 locations throughout the United States. And it's been a lot of fun. You know, last year we did about 97 million in gross revenues as a company. And uh, it's, been, it's been an amazing business. Uh, we're super proud of it. So that is amazing. And what I think is really great, it's you guys have evolved, right? So you started in 2012 uh-huh. or 2007. It took you five years before you started franchising. When you guys right. first started, did you know, hey, we're going to be in the franchise game? No. So what you'll find for most franchises, if you think of you know, Subway or any franchise you can think about, they're big franchises. Uh, they usually start because somebody approached the founders and said, I really like your model. I want to own one of these, right? If it's an Orange Theory, somebody said, I want to own Orange Theory. or I wanna... So the same thing happened to us. A good friend of ours, Robert Christensen was a pharmaceutical rep at Pfizer. And he called us up and he said, hey, I'm getting fired from Pfizer. And I never heard somebody be so excited to get fired. I want to get fired. I'm going to get a severance. And I want to start an Amada senior care franchise here in Washington. And we actually said, sorry, we don't franchise. In fact, my partner, Chad, uh, said, you know what I'll do? I'll sit on the phone with you and we'll vet out other home care franchises. And we'll tell you which one you should start. And we started doing that and Robert kept coming back going, you know, I don't like these companies. And we didn't really like the companies that were out there either. So Robert flew out and uh, he forced us into franchising. Um, In fact, I don't think we would be the company we are today without Robert Christensen, who was crazy, by the way, right? Early adopter, whatever you want to call the guy. He started started this whole thing. That was in, in 2012. And then our second franchise partner, was another friend of ours, Ken Jensen, who um, was in Colorado Springs, had heard that we wanted to start a franchise, and reached out to us, and he became franchise partner number two. So in 2012, all of a sudden, we have two franchisees, and that's it, right? And we're still kind of going, this franchising thing might work, you know, but, but it was still only two franchisees. 
Um, and I think that's usually how franchises start. Some, some crazy person says, I want to do what you're doing. Show me how. And that becomes a franchise. Yeah, absolutely. Now we're going to come back more to Amada. We're going to talk about what you guys are doing now, what's working in today's economy, what current trends are. But let's dial it back a little bit. So Marcus, when did you first know that you were an entrepreneur? I used to be a mortgage guy in Las Vegas, Nevada. And you, you, you probably know where this is going. Las Vegas, Nevada, 2000, 2005 or six. I was working for Countrywide, Countrywide Home Loans. And I had this, this boss, Jeff, his name was Jeff. And um, I had a buddy of mine that we were like, man, we should go be mortgage brokers. We should just, we should leave Countrywide and start our own company. And so we did what, what every entrepreneur, great entrepreneur does is we moonlighted, right? So we did um, uh, Countrywide during the day. And then on the side, we were doing our mortgage brokerage. And in fact, that company, we thought we were really clever. We called that company House, the home loan store. So the name of the company was House and it was the home loan store, which is kind of is a weird, kind of a terrible name now, I think now, but... <laughs> So we had these two businesses. And then I remember, I remember my, the day that I quit my new business partner and I, uh, his name was Uli, Korean guy, great guy. Uh, one of the most amazing business partners I've ever had, by the way, we walked into the office together and we, we quit at the exact same time and said, Hey, we're both quitting. And Jeff was like, Hey, I know you guys are running a, a brokerage on the side and I wish you guys luck. He was actually really cool. And so uh, we quit and we started it. And I think even before that, I always struggled in corporate America. Corporate America was just difficult for me. I, I still today struggle with kind of long meetings and um, just a lot of the structure of corporate. You know, like I, I don't believe that I shouldn't be able to go talk to the brand new person or the CEO, right? right. Like, I don't know. I've always, it's always been difficult for me. And so that was the last time I had a kind of a quintessential job was around 2000. And uh, when we quit and we started our brokerage, and then of course, 2008 came around and uh, I lost everything. Yep. Yes. And I'll tell you what, the number of people that have been on my show that have a similar story is amazing. And yeah. the number of people kind of in our, in our marketing and, and entrepreneur community that went through similar things is fascinating. Yeah. So it's, but you know, from every like major trial, right? We learn, we refine our skills, we, and we grow stronger. Nietzsche would say, right, what, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, which has been popularized That's right. much yeah. later by, in pop music. Now, tell That's me though right. about being a VP of operations for uh, a video game company. Yeah. So I lose everything in 2008. Yeah. I'm in Las Vegas and uh, it was just my wife and I, and I remember we, we drove away from Las Vegas with, we had a, we, I had a truck and so we drive out of Las Vegas. We come back to California. I have to move in with my in-laws. Super embarrassing. And, and actually, I, I was, uh, my brother-in-law was a franchisor of a video game company. And, and I started doing consulting for them. And this was playing trade video games. The playing trade video games was, like, was the antithesis. How do you say it? Antithesis. antithesis antith yes, to GameStop. So GameStop was like the big evil empire. Well, I'm not sure it's an amazing company, but that's how we saw them. And we were a smaller company of independently owned video game stores, right? So kids would come in, play video games, buy video games. And so I started doing consulting for them. And that led to me becoming a VP of operations for that company. But actually, it was, it was a, an amazing experience. I went from losing everything in the mortgage business to then getting into franchising. But then that company went the way of Blockbuster. Yep. Because we, we lost the battle to uh, GameStop. 
they just, it was very difficult to fight against GameStop. And so our stores started to underperform. And then, as you know, you know, games are becoming downloadable now. So now today, even GameStop stock is failing now because oh, the, well, you know, kids are going the to video games anymore. Yeah, they're, and they're closing the majority of their stores. So it's just... Right. So they just happened to stay on for 10 years longer than we were able to stay on. Sure. Um, and so then we were in a, in a turnaround situation where we had hundreds of stores throughout the United States. And it was really interesting to be part of a, of a sinking ship, right? It's actually a really interesting experience because you see such a vibrant organization go into a tailspin. And it's funny because it's through that tailspin, I think that if there's a way out, then it's a very exciting thing to pull it through. But when you're not, then I think the company's emotional IQ and just your intelligence could just go down with the ship, right? And you just make worse and worse and worse and worse decisions. But it was actually a really amazing experience to be a part of that, to see what I did not want to ever do in a company again, right? What we ideally would never repeat again. So two failures stacked right next to each other yeah. was from about 2008 to about 2012. So you brought up something that I think is really, really important. It's one thing to go from failure to failure. That's actually, I see that as noble, right? Progress, growth, uh, resiliency, all of these positive attributes. But if you're not learning from it, then there goes the positive side of, of right now you're just not moving forward. That's not progress. So what were the yeah, major yeah. things you learned that you said, now you said you don't want to see that happen in, in your business ever again. What is something major that you learned from those two experiences? I think so two major things that I learned that I'll carry forever have been just transformative to me. One is that every startup needs to intimately understand who it is that they're trying to serve and stick to that audience. And I think so many people struggle to do this, right? They talk about, you know, find a niche will make you rich. And I think that when people say that, we think that uh, we understand it, but it is such a quintessential thing that, that I've learned through uh, these last 10 years, really. And there's a story behind that of how we launched the Modest Senior Care as a franchise and how we, we focused on such a niche. And that's been a really successful thing for us. And then the other thing is the power that you have when you have a company, you have a model, you have a business, you have a service that you truly believe in, and you have an amazing audience, how invigorating that can be. We can go deeper into that, but I think those are the, the two things that the failure and then the success of my senior care have, have really taught me. So when you're talking about niches and you say, know who you're trying to serve, I think most people think, okay, that helps me know what I say yes to, but I think it's equally important to know what you say no to. Like by saying no to anything that's outside of that target, like, because what I've seen in a lot of startups is they're like, okay, we're focused on this. Ooh, but there's this opportunity. And then they, they shift yeah. and, and divided attention, right? I mean, the old adage of uh, like, you know, you can't chase two rabbits, right? You can only pick one. And in a startup, energy is so valuable. It, that's what you have. That's your main commodity is your energy yes. at the beginning. So, you know, as you guys are, are growing a modest in your care, right? You hit, like you said, last year, you almost broke $100 million of gross revenue. That's right. When you decided, you said, okay, we have these two franchises. Now we're going to, uh -huh. let's, let's go that direction. Let's become a franchisor. What were some of the mistakes you learned then? And how, what, like that other people can apply into their business? Yeah. So, and I, I, I think in your audience, uh, Tyler, because of, of all the work you've done in the marketing community, there's a lot of folks on here that have a high ticket item 
that they'd like to sell to somebody. And I don't care if it's, I don't know if you're selling a high ticket item. I'm talking about anything over, you know, $30,000 that you're trying to sell to somebody, maybe a coaching program, timeshares, real estate. I don't care what it is that you're selling. Right. But what's interesting about a franchise is that basically a franchise is a coaching program. That's a high ticket item. Our franchise fee is $48,000. And then uh, as just like a Subway or a Orange Theory Fitness or McDonald's, the entrepreneur learns the system and pays royalties through the life of the agreement, right? So imagine having a coaching program where somebody pays you $40,000, dollars $60,000 to start. And then out of every dime they make, they're going to pay you 6% of that in royalties. So if they do $100,000, they're going to pay you $6,000 in royalties, right? I mean, perpetually. That's what a franchise is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's interesting. I've never thought of a franchise being similar to a coaching program, but a good one is right. So a lot of people are coming to a franchise because they're looking for, they say, I want to have my own business. I want to have my own thing, but I don't know the systems. I don't know the process. So I'm going right. to hire a coach or, or buy a franchise to do that. And the good franchisors provide that ongoing training and earn that continuing franchise fee back. The bad ones don't, and then they get into bad relationships. That's right. And it can be a very contentious thing, right? If the, the franchisees are not successful, the franchisor also won't be successful because even though you get that forty or fifty thousand dollar franchise fee, what I think what most coaches and franchises don't realize that that forty or fifty thousand, when you really bring that in, that is mostly going to be your cost to train that franchisee. And what you got to remember is, if you have a, a training program and you bring somebody in for forty thousand dollars, and you're like, wow, forty thousand dollars, and you go and you spend it, what's going to happen is you're not going to have the resources to train that person. That person is not going to be successful. And that person then, if they fail, now you're not going to be able to sell more franchises. So you got to look at that 40000 or 30000 or 50000 as absolute cost, right? And if you do look at it that way, that your responsibility with that money is to take that money and deploy it to make that entrepreneur as successful as possible, you're going to have the opportunity to bring in more entrepreneurs who are also going to pay you that initial fee. And I think the profit of this whole thing, and I believe this for coaching, for anything that you do, the profit ought to be in that continuing education that you're providing your community. Because again, you can't look at that forty, fifty, or sixty thousand dollars as your profit. You got to spend that back into your community. And I think that's one thing that we learned with Amada Senior Care. I think as partners, we we had the capital to be able to take that money and reinvest it. And I think that's what made us, I think, successful is we really, really cared if our two buddies, or they were friends of ours. Yeah. We really cared if they were going to be successful. When they call and they would say, I don't have money for payroll, or this isn't working, or I have this issue, it was, it, it didn't matter if it was in the middle of the night, we would hop on a plane and fly out and make sure they, they were successful. It's like it, there was no option. Yeah. And I think that's, that's such a big difference. Yeah. And I've, I mean, I've seen some great, franchises and I've seen some rough ones. Now, a lot of people think, yeah. you know, the somebody who wants to buy into a franchise, they're not an entrepreneur. They just want, you know, they're basically someone who wants to go from being employee to self-employed and you provide the entrepreneurial spirit or the, at least the entrepreneurial framework. They got to bring some zest, right? To, right. Pizzazz to it. Right. What have you found are some commonalities around your more successful, you know, franchisees? Yeah. So this, I think, is, is so critical. From our side, if you look at uh, training programs or coaching programs or franchises, there, some people say that 
you know, we really are interviewing who we accept into our coaching program. Yeah, you may have the $50,000, but I only let the right people in. When really, in reality, a lot of programs, that's just baloney. The interview process is just something put in place to make you, the buyer, feel like you're being vetted. But the truth is, even if you have no business being in that business, they're going to take your money. And then it's up to you to just become successful. That's model number one. You have money. I have system. We make the exchange. I don't care if you're going to be successful or not. So that's one model. Yep. The second model is one where you really do believe that your system, your coaching, your program is ideal for a very specific type of person. And my opinion, what I've, what I've seen over the years is I think those are the true models. The fact is, is you're not going to be able to change everybody's life. Your model isn't that good that right. anybody can be successful. So I think any program out there that says anyone can do this, I don't care what your background is, anyone can be successful, run from it. Because I just, I don't think it's true. So what's fascinating, I'm going to use a lousy reference, but the old, the movie Ratatouille, right? What the big lesson there was that the term anyone can cook was misunderstood. It didn't mean that everyone can be a world-class cook. It means the next world-class cook could be from anyone, right? So it means like, but that doesn't mean everybody. It means it could be from somebody. Anyway, just, it's a miss. So I think that's kind of what you're saying. Like you're going to open up the application. You want to see, you might be wrong in initial, in the initial application, but you have to filter and make sure, Hey, is this person actually a fit? And what do you do if they're not? I think that's the science of figuring out who is actually the right fit, right? Right. And so imagine this, if you accept anybody, or if you have a wide range of people you accept, the likelihood that this group of people is not going to be successful is much larger than if you narrow down who you allow into your program, your system, or your franchise. Now, even when you narrow down, some people won't be successful. By the way, and what, what I've learned is it's not because they might be lazy or not because they won't follow the program. It's because life happens. You know, in your coaching program or in your franchise, somebody's going to buy your franchise, pay you a ton of money, and their life is going to change and they're not going to be able to follow through. And I actually have a lot of love and affection for those people because I know what they're going through. It's, you know, life happens. So I think when you narrow down exactly who it is that you can help, a couple of things are going to happen is one is a higher percentage of those people that paid you money are going to become successful. And also what I see so many times is people that launch training programs or franchises, they end up hating their lives because they've let everybody in and they hate the people they're working with because they're not the type of people that they want to be associated with, that they want to hang out with. I got to tell you, every one of our franchise partners today, if I had come to Southern California, come visit with us, I would want to be with my kids and my wife and go hang out with them. We just had our franchise partner from Wisconsin was just here with his, with his two daughters, D.R. Salerno and his daughters came out even during COVID. He's like, I got to get out of here. I got to get my daughters out. So they flew out and they spent a week here in California and we spent almost every day with them. This is one of our franchise partners. And so I think you got to remember that it's, you can't chase just the money because that will make you miserable. I don't care how much people are paying you for your knowledge, for your system, for what it is that you're teaching them you better every morning be able to wake up and go, I am so excited to teach or coach or help these people. Because if you don't feel that way, you'll absolutely be miserable. Absolutely. I really like how 
the general spirit of what you're saying here, right? That if by being narrow in who you serve, you get a focus on the variables that you can control. There's always going to be some things you can't, right? Like you said, life happens. But when you have such a large a range of people, like people at different levels of their career or their personal development or yeah. their emotional development, the problems you're trying to solve are so vast that you can't serve them all well. But when you have a narrow niche like what you've done, if one person has a problem, it's probably something that other people are dealing with. So that by, sure. si- by solving yeah. that once, you solve it for 125 franchisees, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And what it also did is, so as a group, so let me go back to tell you that what we did, and this is when I talk about a niche, this is how deep we went. So there's a pool of people that are, who are looking at franchises, right? So somebody might call you and say, hey, I'm interested in a modest senior care, and I'm also interested in Jersey Mike's and Camp Bow Wow. And it's like, you're interested in a sandwich shop, senior care, and dogs? It's like, okay, so that's a pool of people, right? And you that's, can accept- That's all three of their hobbies, man. It's all three. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and, it, and it's crazy because it's like, okay, that's very general, right? And so there's that world of people. Mm-hmm. And then you could say, well, I could pluck out of those people. Let me just pluck the people who are, let me take from that group. Let me take the people who are nice. And then from those who are nice, maybe I want to do, let me just pick people who are over the age of 40, right? So you can start going down that road and identify. What we did is we went so much deeper. Our first franchise partner was a pharmaceutical rep with Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, and he was about to get fired. And he starts in a modest senior care franchise and becomes wildly successful. And we stopped and we said, wait a minute, what if we could find other people just like Robert, meaning male over the age of 40, pharmaceutical rep or medical device rep who works for Abbott, Pfizer, Merck, Stryker. And if we could go after them specifically and show them how successful they could be with our business, would that work? And this was back in 2012, 2013. And the only way that we could target those people was through LinkedIn. And so we started to do a lot of LinkedIn marketing to pharmaceutical reps. And so over, you think about this over since from 2012 till now, we've built a company that did $97 million last year in gross billings. And the way that we really built it was we focused on serving one type of person, male over the age of 40, who works in medical sales. That's all we've ever serviced. Now we have obviously females, we have military, we have people that have, have joined our movement uh, because they were they gravitated toward the values and what we're doing, but our outreach was always to a very one specific type of person. What's interesting is your customer avatar found you, right? <laughs> and like when actually, uh, yeah, yeah, You're when exactly Robert right. was like, "Hey, by the way, I'm your perfect customer," and you, you know, so since I'm first, why don't you go get more like me, right? <laughs> but, That's right. Uh, we but, were very but, lucky that way. But you know what? The same thing happens for someone else. They might have their first customer might be horrible. And you're like, hey, make a list of things of attributes you don't ever want again in your business, right? You kind of have to yeah. refine it over time. Not everyone gets it the first, right the very first time. But and I really like that. I think what you mentioned too, like by having a, a narrow niche, sometimes you'll have some people on the periphery where they they may hit nine out of ten, but because that they're really strong on those nine, you'll let them in and they'll make sense and they'll still support your vision. What yeah. are you guys' big goals? I'm sure you guys are hitting some kinds of impact right now with things going on with COVID-19, but what are your guys' big goals for the rest of 2020 and into next year? Yeah, so for 2020, we're, we're, our projection is to be at about a $120 million company. 
I think we'll be able to achieve that. Actually, COVID has been very interesting for us because think about the order is go home and stay home. And for our senior population, they need our services more than ever. So we're actually thriving in this pandemic. And what's happening is not only are franchise partners thriving, but also we're getting even more interest from entrepreneurs who potentially would have looked at fitness or restaurant or other businesses that they're shying away from. And so we're getting a lot more interest in in Amada, which which has been amazing. and, And I'm super thankful for that, right? That when so many people are struggling right now with the economy, we've been blessed to be in a business that is essential and thriving. So that's the goal there. And then our big goal is to have at least 200 locations that do $5 million in gross billings throughout the United States, which is actually, if you think about a very small company, just 200 locations, we have some franchise out there, competitors of ours, great companies that have a thousand locations. That's not us. We want to be a small team, dominate markets. And we're excited to do that, to create successful entrepreneurs and also help seniors. I love it. All right. Now, Marcus, I'm a big believer that entrepreneurship, business, all those kind of things, it's not worth it if it's not also creating the lifestyle you want. Yeah. Now, barring current travel restrictions, what is one major item on your personal bucket list you're going to achieve in the next 12 months? So one of them is I was doing pull-ups pretty regularly. And so you have the, uh, the, the pull-up bar there. I was doing it pretty regularly, regularly, but I crashed my mountain bike and I hurt, I hurt my wrist. Oh. And so I've lost all strength. Like I can barely do a pull-up again. So I need to go back to being able to do 30 pull-ups. Nice. That's my big goal. I want to be able to do 30 pull-ups again. I can probably get up there and maybe I, I won't do it now, but I think I could probably Good. do like three right now. Yeah. I shouldn't, all right? right? I no, sh- no, not right yeah. now. No. no, we'll do it off air and, uh, and then we'll come back and we'll do a follow-up when you can do 30. But all right, guys, I want you to check out Amada Senior Care. Follow Marcus Mora, find him. We will link him in show notes and help you find all the... Uh, all the internets of things for where Marcos is, but really appreciate you coming out and all of my biz ninjas out there. It is your turn to go out and do something. Thank you for tuning in to Biz Ninja Entrepreneur Radio. What you didn't hear was one more very important question that Tyler asks each guest. If you want to be a fly on the wall when the real secrets are shared, go to bizninja.com slash VIP and get your access today. Remember to subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. And our one last favor, if this episode was meaningful to you, please share this podcast with a fellow entrepreneur so they can grow along with us. Biz Ninjas, it's your turn to go out and do something.